The calendar says June, but it feels like October. Hello and welcome to episode 211 of section 138. What a series against the Boston Red Sox doesn't end the way you want it to, but the Blue Jays win two of three against their division rivals. They are a half game back of Boston now and still on the hunt with, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays and trailing everyone trailing the New York Yankees by quite a bit. Bryson, Jacob, it feels like the playoff race right now, and even though we are in June, things are getting a little bit heated for the Blue Jays. They are, and besides the New York Yankees, all these teams are cramped together. You were talking about it with the Red Sox. You know, we have the Tampa Bay Rays, who are also not far behind. So these three teams, essentially, are all cramped together right now, making these games important. A playoff atmosphere at Rogers Center this week, I can confirm, as, as I was there tonight, it just feels like it is like September, October baseball right now, and you can feel the excitement in the air. But at the end of the day, the Jays lose disappointingly today, but at, and they also win two out of three. So definitely... Not a bad outcome whatsoever when you look at it from the big picture. I can tell you, you don't have to be at the game to feel that excitement and see the intensity because, of course, today we saw it on the field with the Blue Jays and Red Sox going at it. I don't know if you want to call the brawl basis-clearing incident, basis-clearing conversation that happened between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Nick Pavetta and a little bit of Charlie Montoyo and Alex Cora going at it kind of through the umpire, but you can certainly feel the emotion and the intensity already in the month of June against the Red Sox at the Rogers Center, even if you are just watching it on TV. Jacob, how are you? Tell you what, if this is how the rest of the season is going to play out, I think we're in for a big treat. And we saw it in the the second game of the series. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was very, very excited about that walk-off. And you can tell that games like this, this means something to this team. And Tell you what, I know I always talk about how the schedule is going to get changed and it's not going to be as division-focused, but how many games the Blue Jays played against Red Sox? Maybe uh, nine-something? So we got uh, like a dozen or half a dozen of these games left and you know, the rest of the games against the division. It's going to be a very interesting end of the season, but unfortunately they lose that third game, but I'll still take it. You win two of three, you gain two games uh, uh, off of them. I think overall it is... It's... You can consider it a good series. Now we'll have to see who they play against next. So, I mean, it doesn't really get any easier. You got the Rays for five at home. But it is it is a very interesting division. It's a very interesting schedule right now. And let's just hope that they can finish this homestand on, a, on an even better note. Jacob, you seem hesitant to call this series a win for the Blue Jays. But you're the one who predicted before it started that they would only take one of three. Versus Bryson and I, we both said two of three. So that's where we're at right now. I see this series as a win. The Blue Jays gain a game on the Red Sox. It's lightning hot intensity and the Blue Jays stand up to the challenge. And even in today's game, if you look at the loss, you can still be happy with how they perform their backs against the wall in the 10th inning. Things to nitpick and complain about with the bullpen, obviously. But for me, I do view this series as a win. I'm surprised you're not so confident in saying that. Sorry, if that's how I came across, that's not what I meant to say. I am happy about this series, happy about how this looked. Even though they did take two out of three, they were in all three games. And even this one, obviously, it did end up going to extra innings. So you're in the game, you come back and tie it. Even guys like Kevin Biggio and Raimel Tapia having good at-bats throughout the game. That first game was a little bit of a blowout. But overall, I think it's... And I hate to use this word because it doesn't translate to on-the-field performances directly, but this is a moral victory if you're the Blue Jays, proving that you can compete with this team. But even, you know, from a division and just standings point of view, this is 
straight up a victory and it's 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 one that you know you now obviously have five games in four days against another tough division rival you have momentum to build off of and i believe tomorrow as we'll get into later actually i'm not going to mention who's starting tomorrow the rest of the rotation is looking good for the rest of the series i think this is a momentum builder and i think it just it can go a lot better from here absolutely and one of the big takeaways i think i had from the series as well is something that has been the issue throughout the past week of course besides the bullpen is the starting rotation just as a whole of everyone has been concerned that has been pretty much an area of or area of high conversation and it still remains an area of high conversation because you hinted at the guy starting tomorrow night so anyways uh this series alone though you have kevin gosman he continues to get back on track after you know i would say maybe a hiccup over the last couple of starts he looked a lot more like the Kevin Gosman we saw early on in the season. He did really well striking out 10 over 7 innings. You had that. You had Ross Stripling in Game 2 give you a good Ross Stripling start. Um, he gave you five solid innings of work as well, despite you know the Jays losing the lead later on and then regaining it to win in, or to win in the ninth inning. And then today, as much as Alec Manoa, I guess, wasn't sharp, sharp, if you know what I mean, he still had a relatively good start, despite that mistake he had to Alex Verdugo on that home run. He, I think he was he was definitely dialed in as well at certain points, and then he finished with six strikeouts over seven innings, two earned runs. So that's one takeaway I had because of that, just the starting rotation being a question mark. But going back to our series prediction from Mark, you and I, we were talking about it, is that this was the strength currently of the starting rotation. These were the three guys that you knew so far this year that have been giving you the best chances to win these games. So as much as we kind of saw it coming, it was still definitely nice to see it out of those three guys, at least from my opinion. And of course, just the way the Jays won, of course, in game one, that was pure, pure domination when Gosman was on the mound. And then in game two, the way they came back late in the ninth inning, it pretty much happened in a span of not even five minutes in terms of being down by one run. And then all of a sudden you get a guy on, you get a guy on, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins the game for you not far after that. So it was pretty cool how they won that game in the second game. And of course today, listen, both teams are struggling in terms of having guys in the bullpen. Shout out to Tanner Houck, who pretty much gave his team or put his team in a really tough spot. And you can see the bullpen or how the Red Sox bullpen is without him. And it isn't that good whatsoever. So Today's game came down to, I guess, both teams, I think, who don't have the greatest bullpens, and really, it kind of just was going to be a coin toss. It, you could see it going either way. I know the Jays made it close later on in the 10th inning, but at the same time, once again, it could have gone any other way, despite being late in that game, and then at that point, you don't really know what, or you don't really know what outcome's going to happen, and that's just... I guess the result, again, of bullpens not being as sharp for either team this series. So at the end of the day, again, a great series win. You take two out of three from the Red Sox, a team that the Jays play relatively well against throughout the past couple of years. Again, I mentioned it last episode that they do that. And then, of course, coming up this weekend, yes, you have a five-game, a rare five-game series coming up against another division opponent with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's another important series coming ahead for this team. Buckle up. It's just getting started. We still got five more games of this same intensity, this same lightning hot passion in the game for the Blue Jays and of course we expect the Tampa Bay Rays to bring the same against the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center it's going to be a lot of fun but yeah let's start I guess I, I want to talk about the brawl brawl incident that happened in today's game because to me that's the most exciting thing I don't think we've seen that a lot this year for the Blue Jays of course everyone instantly comparing it to what happened in the Reds Mariners game or excuse me Angels Mariners game um this does not compare to what happened then. Obviously, this is a much more tame, calm version. 
but it's still a level of intensity on the field that we haven't seen much from the Blue Jays this year. And I think it stood out. Of course, everyone who doesn't know the situation, Alejandro Kirk gets hit by a pitch in the third inning by Nick Pavetta in today's game. He gets hit right on the elbow. Um, Doesn't seem like much on the face of it, but you look at what happened previously. Alejandro Kirk gets buzzed with a fastball in his first at-bat. You go back a couple days, he gets hit by a pitch earlier in this series against the Red Sox. And basically what we kind of understand the Blue Jays as saying is not blaming Nick Pavetta for throwing at Alejandro Kirk intentionally. It's saying don't pitch this guy up and in if you're going to hit him. If you can't pitch up and in safely and being able to control the ball, don't do it because you're going to get someone injured. And I think that's the case that the Blue Jays were trying to make in the frustration. And of course, kind of blew up and maybe a little bit out of proportion, but I think that's what was going on there. Um, I don't know if there's sides to take in this. I know there were some people on Twitter, Jared Carabas is the guy I'm going to call out for this, on the Red Sox side of things, who basically was saying, the Blue Jays were massively overreacting. Nick Pavetta, no way he's doing that intentionally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, yeah, he's right. Like, I don't think that the Blue Jays think that Nick Pavetta was doing it intentionally. I don't think anyone thinks Nick Pavetta was throwing at Alejandro Kirk intentionally in a tie ball game against division rivals who are, you know, chomping at your heels for second place in the AL East and the top wildcard spot. I don't think anyone thinks that, that that is intentional in that situation I think the case that the Blue Jays are making is that you shouldn't pitch up and in if you're going to risk hitting a guy so I don't know if there's sides to be taken in this conversation I just find this really interesting and the level of intensity from the Blue Jays is nice to see and certainly fun to see with the five more games we got against division rivals yeah I I don't want to take sides but like it I understand the Blue Jays what they were saying I think it was it's a complicated situation you see Charlie Montoya when he comes out he's making it very very clear to the home plate umpire that he's not here to start anything he's just there to check on his hitter but I understand the meaning of what the, why are you going to pitch in this area if you're going to risk hitting him and I understand you know standing up for your teammate especially Guerrero it makes sense I understand it I just think that maybe just stay in the dugout and scream a few curse words if that's really what you're trying to do well like that's how it started except that he jumped over the dugout wall and and then everybody else comes out I don't really think the dugouts and the benches or and then the the bullpens I don't think any of that needed to necessarily be cleared but I understand the frustration Blue Jays have been hit a lot you know you look at this series this last homestand and even in the past like it's it's not something as if oh it's once in a blue moon you get hit like this is a good hitter and a lot of good hitters have been hit. You see Danny Jansen on the IL still with that hand. Guerrero got hit. I think it was in Chicago. Obviously different teams. But you understand the frustration. I just think that it might have escalated a little bit. And it could have. I think it could have stayed in. You just yell at each other from the dugout. Issue a warning. Say, okay, guys, shut up and get back to the game. Let me remind you. It was, what, the second inning, I think it was? Or third inning? It was a 1-1 game. It was close. Like this, It's not as if it's a blowout zero intent because you're down or whatever you're mad trying to get back at guys like these games do matter and we saw last year the games mattered immensely they were only separated by a single game and it came down to like not even the final game the final like two innings of each team's 
season. Nobody's here to waste a game. Nobody's here to throw out anything. And Red Sox are already down a few pitchers. I highly doubt they're trying to lose another one or, or lose an, a, a couple more just because of getting thrown out. So I don't think there was any intent. And obviously nobody's going to admit to intent, at least on the field. Maybe they'll go back to their manager later and say, I had to do this. But I think it was genuine from Nick Pavetta saying like, yeah, this was not intentional. Nobody's trying to hit anybody in this type of situation. It's just, you know, I guess if you want to call it entertaining for the fans, you know, the movie has been entertaining so far, but I don't know. I like, I understand the point of view of, of the Blue Jays. I just think maybe it could have stayed in the dugout. And the la- the last thing you need is suspensions, people getting hurt from a fist fight. And I heard people call this like the most Canadian bench brawl ever because it was just bunch of people coming together and then walking back to the dugout but it is what it is like, I don't really think it needed to happen I understand why you're mad but let's just focus on the game I think let's let's beat the teams on the field if that makes uh, sense yeah it's it was from where I was looking it actually I thought at first it was Devers and Guerrero who were fighting but then of course they're really close friends off the field so it didn't make sense to me but of course Devers was the one trying to separate Guerrero from uh, Nick Pavetta so uh, yeah I mean I, I look at it kind of how you look at it from Jacob I think you know this is something especially throughout this series this was boiling in terms with Alejandro Kirk because I believe in the Monday game they threw like he was hitting the Monday game, and then of course today's game he was thrown up and in in his first at bat. I remember, and then of course the second at bat is when he was hit. So he's the we we know that he's been their best hitter, probably the most consistent hitter all season long. And they're frustrated in terms of getting hit. It does feel like this year in particular though, a lot of hitters have been getting hit on on the Jays, and of course that's a result of pitchers trying to hit up and in on them. So. It, it's for me it's the heat of the moment of course and again you're frustrated you don't want to get hurt you don't want to lose Alejandro Kirk uh, in terms of any kind of worst case scenario because we've seen similar outcomes with Danny Jansen we've seen George Springer get hit a few times where he's had to leave the game Lord Escurio Jr. has been hit a few times as well from what I remember so there's been a lot of key players who have gotten injured or gotten hit Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is another guy who's been hit um, early on earlier on the season with his finger so yeah, so it doesn't help when you're playing your division rival, the Red Sox. So, you know, it's the heat of the moment. If they you look back on it now, of course, nothing escalated, thank goodness, because that would have led to a ton of suspensions. I'm sure you guys saw the list of suspensions between the Mariners and the Angels. That list was lengthy. Twelve I think players. The Angel, Twelve players. I think Jesse Winker, one of the main guys in five, I think he got seven games or something like that. So, you know, you, you don't want to see that. And I just... You know, I, I don't blame the Blue Jays for being upset. I'd probably be upset too. I mean, it feel, probably feels like you're being targeted going up and in all the time. You can kind of see where the Red Sox are coming from too, maybe if, if well, in terms of them thinking it's an overreaction. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I just think it's it's something that the Jays felt defensive about. It's been boiling throughout the series in particular with Kirk. And of course, it's been, it just seems like a thing all year, especially with Jays hitters. I don't know if it's a common thing across baseball in terms of numbers, in terms of people being hit. But, you know, you see another situation a couple of days ago with Bryce Harper. He's out basically for six to eight weeks. They don't know, or the Phillies don't know if he's going to be back this year. So maybe it's a kind of a, a thing occurring throughout all of baseball this year for some reason. But it's just the fear you know, of losing somebody like Alejandro Kirk. And I think, you know, I, I enjoy or I applauded or I should say 
I support how the Jays reacted to that. I don't think, you know, they were wrong for being passionate about the game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was leading the way on that one. So in terms of them reacting, I'm glad they're involved in the game. I'm glad they're, you know, they they took or they tried taking account for it. They're standing up for themselves. You want to do that. So I have no issue with how it react or how they reacted. And I'm glad things didn't further escalate to a situation where there were actually maybe punches, for example, thrown. Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. It's no blame on either side, in my opinion. Yeah, Red Sox, sure, pitch him up and in. If you have to, be careful about it. And Blue Jays have the right to be upset if your hottest hitter right now, one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball, is getting thrown at. Um, so I see both sides of it. Honestly, I don't think there's that much to it and people arguing on social media about it. That's going to happen. It's social media. People argue, but I don't read it too much into either side. What I'm interested in is how this shakes up the rest of the season. We didn't so much see it today because warnings were issued right after that incident and neither side really gave much more fuel to the fire after it. We saw one hitter get hit in the 10th inning with the bases loaded to drive in a run, but obviously... J.D. Martinez. There you go. Obviously, that was not intentional with the bases loaded in the top of the 10th inning, so... I'm interested in seeing how this shakes up the rest of the year. Even if it doesn't seem like much is carrying over from today, I think even just the slightest indication of bad blood between these two teams with the level of intensity with the games we're having. They got nine games left this season, and a lot of them are coming down the stretch. The Blue Jays have a big series against the Red Sox September 30th, October 1st, and October 2nd, and that's at the Rogers Center. So that is going to be... An incredible matchup to watch, and especially if this bad blood carries over into that. And uh, so the next time the Jays are seeing the Red Sox, July 22nd at Fenway. So we'll be watching that eagerly, and it'll be interesting to see how much of this bad blood actually carries over. And I mean, I hate the Red Sox more than anyone on this planet, and I can't (laughs) wait to see how it all shakes up for the rest of the season. Um, I mentioned that I hate the Red Sox, and because of that, I just love to see their bullpen collapse in Tuesday's game. And we know all the situations surrounding it. Tanner Houck unable to travel with the team to Toronto because he is unvaccinated. And just watching the meltdown on Twitter, in Boston media, of everything that unfolded Tuesday night was incredible to watch. I loved seeing it. And obviously the Blue Jays winning was an awesome part of that as well. So very happy to see that, and you love to see the Red Sox kind of just collapse in the way that they did. So I'm sure we all know that social media is absolutely a mess and the rabbit holes people can go in, but after that game, I'm surprised Twitter didn't honestly crash because you look at it and there were arguments for pretty much every side. It was go get vaccinated or no, Canada has terrible rules or why did the Blue Jays not have this problem? And they're like, well, because the Blue Jays are vaccinated and it was just absolutely everywhere. But at the end of the day, the Boston Red Sox, and Alex Cora said it, I'll give him credit, the team that he put on the field lost. Whether that team is the proper Red Sox or not, that's a different story. All I can say is it is going to make things a little bit interesting because as of right now, and I know it's obviously very early, or way too early, I guess, to to say it. If you look at the standings, the Blue Jays, obviously only a half game back of the Red Sox, but they are technically... So actually... As of last night's game, they were set to host the the wild card game. 
as of right now, it would be Blue Jays and Red Sox, or excuse me, as of tonight, it's still Blue Jays and Red Sox, but not in Toronto. But a lot of people are saying how it's it's going to get a little bit interesting if the Blue Jays and the Red Sox are playing each other in any type of wild card or playoff situation because who knows if the rules are different, who knows if player situations are different, but all I can really say is the Red Sox lost players that were not there. And one thing that I did find interesting is a lot of people called Tanner Houck selfish saying you should do this and you should, you should give yourself, you should make yourself available for your team. And I mean, that's a fair argument, but it's, it's to me, it's just, it's been an absolute nightmare. I think on Twitter, it's just arguments from all three sides or all, however many sides you want to put it, but I'm not really going to get too in depth into this. I think we've done that a little bit with the whole rule thing, but at the end of the day, Rules are rules, and Blue Jays beat the team with that had to abide by these rules, and the Blue Jays had to abide by these rules too, so that's something we can't forget. But it's it's definitely interesting seeing a situation like this where you, you are missing players, and I think we did see this few Yankee players, so I just won't name just to keep it like that, but there were some players who were scheduled not to, uh, not able to play, but then they obviously made themselves available to play. It's getting interesting. I'm sure we're we're not going to hear the end of this throughout the rest of the season, but I think it's going to be really, really interesting at the end of the season when deep into the season when you need to win games and when you get into the playoffs and every single game matters, It how things like this will be handled. Yeah, this is going to be a factor for the rest of the season. But you say, you know, being selfish when it comes to baseball. He's being selfish outside of baseball too, not getting vaccinated. So that's what I'm going to say on this. And I'm, if I'm Mark Shapiro or whoever deals with the federal government, I think it's him most likely, I'm pushing for that rule to stay intact for the rest of the season. Do not touch it. Do not reconsider moving it until the end of the year. Um, I just that's, – that's coming from my two cents, and I think that should be acknowledged. I, I'm pretty confident that's the way it's going to be. But l- l- listen, we were talking about this at the beginning of the season. We knew this was going to be an issue. We knew that there was probably going to be situations throughout the year where this was going to happen, and of course – uh, Tuesday night's game was an example of that happening. And Jacob, you talked about it, the standings. Like, can you imagine doing that in a wild card series? Like, you, just the sacrifice that you would do to that or to your own team in a playoff game. I can't understand how you'd be able to go through with that without feeling some sort of guilt in you. So, if you're the Boston Especially Red Sox, in Boston, like exactly, forget any other media market, Boston. Yeah. And if you're Alex Cora, if you're Tanner Houck, like you really strongly especially because of this wild card race you should probably incur it like there's there needs to be some sort of discussion about maybe you know in terms of the team and blah 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 it's not a bad idea moving forward because if that's again if that's in october and that's how your season ends if you're the boston red sox that's a tough pill to swallow so listen it's the rules. We knew the rule, the rules were going to be intact months ago, and um, I'm sure there's going to be more situations down the line. But, of course, because this is a division rival, because it's the Boston Red Sox, I think this thing was definitely highlighted. And when you want to make the argument, it's pretty fair to say that it is pro- probably one of the biggest reasons for their loss that ga- that day. And I mentioned Game 3 again tonight. Listen, it was just it was going back and forth between bullpens who were exact weren't exactly the greatest on paper. You you're missing a piece in Tanner Houck. You have to throw in different types of relievers and spots they're maybe not as familiar in. So it it could have cost the Red Sox again tonight uh, if it went the other way for the Blue Jays because it easily could have went the other way for the Blue Jays. And if you're looking back on it, if the Blue Jays complete the sweep tonight, 
that's two games lost from the Red Sox because of their bullpen collapse late in the game. And of course, it branches off to many different things. But the one thing I think that definitely highlights it, and it has been highlighting it, is the current status of Tanner Houck. And of course, just how he's fine with, I guess, this happening. This is the second time they're in Toronto. They were first in Toronto in April. You know, maybe you have, of course, at the time you have, you would have time to maybe get everything sorted out for the time the or they would come here back in the next part of June. But you're carrying over to the midseason now, and nothing's changed. So, I just think that's something if you're the Boston Red Sox, strongly you should address as best as you can because again, it's only going to get later on in the season, and games are going to continue to be more important as they are or as they were previously. So he's got what it takes twenty one days to. Fully yeah, about be a month. inoculated. So if he got vaccinated now, if he starts the process tomorrow, maybe he's available. Or I guess the next series for the Jays is in Boston, so it doesn't matter. So he does have until the end of the season when the Red Sox return to Toronto. It'll be interesting to see. Certainly if you're an organization like the Red Sox, you're putting pressure on him. And I'm sure they already have to get him vaccinated and get him eligible to compete in those series especially if it comes down to the playoffs, because that's going to be very, very interesting. And I'm sure whoever the Blue Jays end up playing, if they have a home series, if they get into the playoffs, I should say, and if they have a home series, I'm sure it's going to be a factor that comes into play with anyone, regardless whether it's the Red Sox, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's any other team that might be involved in that hunt, like the Tampa Bay Rays as well. We know the Rays coming into town are missing two key relievers on on their own. So it's always going to be a factor down the playoff race and certainly plays into the Blue Jays' hand a little bit. Although we will mention, obviously, when it comes to the free agent market, when it comes to the trade deadline, this is something that works against the Blue Jays because they're having to basically select guys based on their vaccination status before they can even consider looking at whether to trade for them or not based on their baseball talent. So that's an added complication on the Blue Jays' side of things. That's obviously less than ideal. It goes both ways. It's a disadvantage for the Blue Jays in some ways, obviously an advantage when it came to Tuesday night. But I want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline and about what the Blue Jays are doing to address the bullpen because obviously that is, right now, the rotation and the bullpen are the biggest weaknesses of this team. We may see the Blue Jays add a batter down the line as we get closer to the trade deadline, but priority number one right now is to add pitching whatever way you can. Whether it's a reliever, whether it's a starter, the Blue Jays need to add pitching. We saw them do that these past few days. They get Sergio Romo on a one-year deal. He was dropped by, was it Minnesota? Seattle Mariners. Seattle. That's who it was. He was dropped by Seattle earlier this season. Hasn't been effective in the majors this year, but comes over to Toronto. Blue Jays need all the help they can get with the injuries they have right now and with the lack of performances they have right now from some guys in the bullpen. And obviously the stretch of games they have, even just over the next five days, four games in five days. So they need bullpen help. They go out, add Sergio Romo. I don't think there's too much to look into in this deal because they need an arm. He has an arm, and he can throw a baseball, and that's pretty much where the Blue Jays are right now when it comes to the bullpen. But certainly as we approach the trade deadline, and even now, I think we're pretty close to around the time of year when the Blue Jays traded for Adam Simber. I believe it was around June 28th to June 30th that the Blue Jays got him. So 
We are officially in that time period where the Blue Jays could be making a deal and certainly are looking at and pursuing a deal because they desperately need more bullpen help and more relief help and more help in the rotation as well. So Sergio Romo, I think, is just the first domino to fall, but I think even over the next week, we're going to see some guys who are connected to the Blue Jays if we don't see any trades actually go down. Well, also, we hear that Nate Pearson is now, what, shut down for three to four more weeks, so... There's another arm, and I've been talking about him probably more than anybody else on this roster because I was expecting him to come back. He's now out for at least the next month, and so you kind of count him out. What do we have? So we're at the end of June, going to July. So basically, yeah, he's out until the trade deadline. You're not waiting to see if he's ready. You go make a move now. I still don't think you go out and get a starter. I think you stick with with the bullpen. You stick with the rotation that you have. Ross Stripling, I think he's totally fine. You don't even have to worry about him. I know we talked about Gosman, how he kind of struggled. He's done. Like, Blue Jays wouldn't have given him five years worth of, of contract if they didn't trust him. Alec Manoa's been totally fine. Jose Barrios is a bit of a coin flip, and he's been a coin flip all season. But I'm st- I'm still giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Now, it's definitely changed a little bit. This keeps happening. You keep having less than ideal start after a good start than a less than ideal or anything like that, then it's starting to wonder, okay, well, why do we give this guy seven extra seasons? And he will pitch game two against the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, so it's, it's a good opponent, division rival that he gets to face, but I don't care who it is, he needs to throw quality innings, he needs to get back on track, because he is, he's not the ace of the staff, and we've all, well, at least you guys pointed that out, I think he's part of that, part of the aces of the staff, but regardless, he's a good pitcher who's here for a long time for a reason. I still give him the benefit of the doubt for at least the rest of, of July, I would say, or at least, yeah, you know what? No, July, I trust him. After that, I start to say, okay, yeah, what's, what's going on with Barrios, but bullpen needs work. Obviously, Yimmy Garcia is not here for next little bit. You bring in Sergio Romo. That's interesting. And I want to say it because I said it to you guys. I swore that picture of Sergio Romo in the, I think it was around third base. I swore that was Teoscar Hernandez with a fake beard. But then That's I see the funniest it. picture I've ever seen. <laughs> it's hilarious. It was, oh, I don't even, I had to do a double take and zoom in. I was like, who is this guy? And then I forgot, oh yeah, the Blue Jays signed Sergio Romo. But I like it. It's a low risk deal. And I mean, what else caps off the Shapiro and Atkins regime than low risk deals that work out? So I don't, I don't have any concerns about this, but also, he's not in here to be the ace of the bullpen staff. He's just here to add an arm. I trust him. I think he's fine. But it's. I think you have to go out and get relievers if you want to compete. Because right now, it's not really working out. You know, you look at who they have. Obviously, other than Jordan Romano, who's been a little bit shaky at times, I think we still. I think it's still fair to say that he's fine. But you look at guys like, dare I say his name, Trent Thornton. And he's had a little bit of a better... A better go of things but still he's been kind of up he's, he's been a roller coaster Adam Simber's definitely again kind of been up and down but I still I'm, I'm still not really concerned with him I still think he's okay but then you look at guys like Trevor Richards you know Julian Merriweather's not really been much of a factor this season I'm just looking through their roster right now and I have no idea who else I really trust. So you need to go out and get someone. You need, I think, a swing and miss guy. I would have said you need a long reliever, but with Nate Pearson coming back, that's obviously not really the case anymore, even without Ross Stripling in the rotation. 
you need to go out and you need to get that kind of one-two punch to supplement Romano, Simber, Meza, all those types of guys. And the last thing you want to do is, and I'm not saying the bullpen is going to make or break this team, although it could, but the last thing you want to do is have this be the thing that this lack of a move this early in the season be what ends up costing them. Like you don't want to lose games because of the bullpen when you easily could, uh, could change it, could add to it and add to it for cheap. I think is fair to say like relievers, unless you're like a top name reliever, probably going to come relatively cheap and, or at least cheap enough that the blue Jays could kind of just really justify multiple moves. So bullpen is absolutely what needs to be fixed. I would have said second base going into this season, I, I trust, I like Biggio. I know I've said a lot of negative things about him, but I like what he's doing right now. Santiago Espinal, fine. I don't even know why I'm mentioning the infield, but basically the infield, outfield, rotation are fine. We just desperately need to work on that bullpen because the last thing you want to see is this team miss out on the playoffs or miss out on moving and extending the rounds just because of, of um, because of, you know, a lackluster bullpen because... I mean, I guess in playoffs it's a little different. You go with three or four starters, but regardless, before I get even to the playoffs, you want to make it to the playoffs, and you need to make reliever moves right now. And even if it is rentals, it's not like last year where I think what Simber Richards, uh, both of them have like two more years after this season, so they're fine. But I think you need to go out and need to get even if it is just a cheap rental, anybody that can provide depth down in that bullpen. Yeah, at this point with Sergio Romo. Call it desperate, call it just whatever. It just seemed like when he was DFA'd a couple weeks ago, he had the Jays' name written all over him, and it wasn't surprising to me whatsoever that he was signed. Why not? I mean, he's somebody new. It's not going to be the last move you make because I think you're you're bang on about the bullpen. That's obviously going to be addressed. I will say I do think they should. Pro- I I do think they should go get a starting pitcher. I I dis or I think differently than you do on that one. I just. There's too many question marks right now. You know, the Jose Barrios thing, as much as we are all, I guess, more confident with his turnaround than somebody like Yusei Kikuchi, we still haven't seen that yet this year, despite seeing glimpses of it. There's still some sort of area of concern on that one. Yusei Kikuchi, you can definitely make the argument that this five-game series is what is saving him from making his next start because somebody's going to have to start the doubleheader on Saturday. If there's no five-game series, is it even... Uh, certain or for certain that he was going to go out and pitch today or I should say tomorrow's game on the Thursday because to me there's no way it was and tomorrow really it when you think about it we're getting closer to that time where it's going to be the last like the last try for him the last chance if he got if he if he goes out tomorrow night does well you got something to work with if he has another situation where we have I guess a similar start from what we've seen pretty much for the vast majority of this year there's going to be a lot of questions a lot of bullpen talk is starting to come up with Yusei Kikuchi as well I don't know you know I don't know how I feel about that other than he's going to be the most expensive reliever on the team the other thing is where do you put him what role do you give him there's just a lot of uncertainties with that certain rotation for me so you have to go out I think and I think especially the Hunjin Ryu injury definitely hurts us a little bit too because of the depth. I think you have to go out and get a starting pitcher. Bullpen, there's not even a need for me to repeat myself pretty much from what you said, Jacob, because everyone knows that that is something that will almost for certain be addressed and something that, of course, they need to address. I think you guys saw also today, and this is something that we speak about a little, but for I guess over the past couple of months, we've kind of drifted away from it just a bit. But there was a report today from John Morosi pretty much saying that the Blue Jays and Royals are going to be or could be be potential trade partners on uh, trade deadline day and reported today. And this is kind of, I guess the first wave 
of the Jays being interested in certain people because we all know how fans love about that. But it's just that's how it works in terms of all 30 teams, but I'm not going to get into that with people. Anyways, the Blue Jays are interested in Andrew Benatendi, left-handed outfielder. We all know him very well from when he was with the Red Sox a few years ago. It seems that the Jays are still, as much as they are prioritizing, of course, for bullpen arms, they are still maybe looking at left-handed at-bats as well that can help the team. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. There's kind of, for me, there's three areas that they need to address. I think the bullpen, we can maybe all agree that that needs to be the first one. And then second or third, in in my opinion, between the starting rotation or getting a left-handed at-bat, either or, flip a coin, I don't. it doesn't matter to me. But the other thing, too, which is interesting is because he also stated in the report that there's also lots of bullpen arms on the Royals that could be expendable. So maybe you see a trade for both of them. I know it's very early, but when we get reports like this, it's always interesting to see the names and of course the team that are involved or the teams that are involved. So that that's pretty much where it stands with me. And I think it's going to be the same thing throughout the rest of the way. You know, you were talking about it, Jacob, there's a couple guys really in this bullpen right now who continue to be in slumps, continue to be shaky. You know, another example uh, from tonight's game on the Wednesday game was David Phelps. He came on, we know the inning he had and was pretty much the start of the blow up inning and the extra innings, which gave the Red Sox or got the Red Sox to six runs. So I don't know if it's guys struggling. I don't know, or if it's a mix of guys struggling. And of course, maybe you got to put the fatigue as a, another factor because of how much they've been used. There's a lot going on with the bullpen right now. You know, case in point to why Sergio Romo was also brought in basically for the rest of the year. You need a healthy, or you need a, I guess, well-rested arm right now. And you have to do your best to manage your way and get your way through this. But of course, with that also comes good starting pitching, and that has just been, unfortunately, besides three guys that pitched in this series alone with the Red Sox, we haven't seen that from the other two guys who didn't, and that's something that I think needs to be addressed, and, you know, Yusei Kikuchi in particular is a highlight for me because it just feels like, in my opinion, that we are getting closer to the end of his, I guess, experiment. Like, soon, it's going to get to a point where you can't keep sending him on the field every five days because of how tight this playoff race is going to get. The standings are starting to creep into us a little bit more and more, and it's only going to get worse. We all know this in terms of how a pennant race works once the calendar flips to July. It definitely gets a little more, a bit more, you know, just something that you start scoreboard watching again, and it's just going to be something where you have to do what's best for the team, and that's why I think if you do that, you need to bring somebody in. You don't have a lot of guys with depth. You were talking about it, Jacob, again, Nate Pearson. I'm not even going to be counting on Nate Pearson coming at any point this season. I think there still definitely is a chance later on. But right now, you can't rely on Nate Pearson to come up if he can't even stay healthy throughout his rehab assignments, with all due respect. I don't think the Blue Jays were ever counting on Pearson. I think whatever they got from him was going to be a bonus. But I don't think they were ever counting on him to be a savior in this bullpen or be a savior in this rotation, depending on what happens with Yusei Kikuchi. I think they were always taken as what happened with him and his health as a bonus because you can't count on him at this point in his career and his track record and his health. You can't count on him. And obviously we're very sad about his injuries and the fact that he can't stay healthy. But for the Blue Jays, from an analytical perspective and from a just straight facts perspective, you cannot count on Nate Pearson giving you anything at this point. You need to explore other options whenever you get from Nate Pearson on top of that is just a bonus. So, um, Bryson, yeah, I think you're right that you say Kikuchi is nearing his final straw. I don't think he's there yet because it hasn't been that long since he was good. I mean, it's been five starts since he was incredible in the month of May. And even through the majority of June, or maybe not the majority, but parts of June, he's shown 
flashes of brilliance. So start that I'm thinking of in particular is against the Yankees on June 19th. So that's two starts ago. He pitched four innings, gave up three runs, struck out five, walked two. Obviously not a great start, but when you're pitching against the Yankees and you're the fifth starter in this rotation, three runs in four innings isn't the end of the world. And I think if he went out there every day and pitched and gave up three runs in four innings, the Blue Jays wouldn't be upset with what they're getting from him. So that's why I don't think he's quite on his final straw yet. I think he'd give it a few more starts. If we see what he did last time out against Milwaukee two or three more times in a row, I think he's done. The Blue Jays are moving him to the bullpen without a second thought. But I think it it's still taking a couple starts to get him there. I still think the Blue Jays, you know, with all the money they have committed to him, they're going to give him some leg room. And I know we kind of had this same conversation when it came to the diesel truck himself a year ago, but I do think Yusei Kikuchi gets a little bit more runway than the diesel truck did only because of his contract and the fact that Yusei Kikuchi is signed for two more seasons after this. Um, Okay, one more thing to mention before we wrap it up. I do want to give a shout out and talk about a little bit about Buck Martinez because we got an update from Dan Schulman and the update could not have been more positive and we couldn't be more happy about the news that we're getting from him. Um, Dan Schulman said that Buck Martinez has officially finished his treatment for cancer. Um, he is apparently all went well. He's doing well and um, they're heading home now beginning the rehab and recovery process and Dan said that Martinez is quote very hopeful that he'll rejoin the Sportsnet team at some point after the All-Star break so that's obviously great news we've been on the edge of our seats this whole season hoping for the best with Buck Martinez and it seems like we are getting the best and hopefully we'll have him back in the broadcast booth before long Um, okay a five-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays we've hyped it up a lot it's gonna be a wild four-day, five-game extravaganza, Canada Day, the Blue Jays, Toronto, Rogers Center, long weekend, all eyes on baseball. The first time the Blue Jays are back in Toronto at Canada Day since 2019. Predictions for this series. You're making me feel old saying it's the first time since 2019. Holy, but... Um... Normally, we go over the pitching matchups. Everyone's going to pitch, most likely. So, I mean, except, what am I going to say? Except for Alec Manoa. Oh, correct. Because okay, of the yeah, doubleheader, okay. and they're putting another guy in the rotation. Okay, so here's the thing. How are the Rays doing? The Rays are below the Blue Jays in the standings. I... Pretty much right with them, Yeah. Though. I want to say a split, but five is not an even number. So somebody's obviously going to – I think somebody's winning, too, if – are three of five, the other one's going to win five? No. Really? You don't say. Someone's <laughs> winning three of five in this series. This is, what, this is tough to listen what I, to right what now. What I mean. You guys <laughs> know what I mean. Somebody's <laughs> I winning don't. three of five. I'm hoping it's the Blue Jays. I'm not really sure if it is. You know what? No. We need Blue, an Jays, answer, Jacob. <laughs> Blue Jays are winning three of five. They just almost swept the Boston Red Sox. They're going to take three of five from the Rays. Let's hope to God you say Kikuchi wins. If if he wins tomorrow, or he's able to pitch well at least, four or five or five or five. But I think it's the game game one and two are definitely going to be interesting because you have the two coin flips in the rotation right now. I think three or five is the most likely scenario. 
Yeah, this is this is as much as what you were saying was like bonkers for a little bit, Jacob. I do give you credit because like I don't think we've ever had a five game series to predict before. So this is interesting. I have obvious I think a lot of us right now with Kikuchi you don't you, you have no idea what's gonna happen with Barrios, so you have the same thing. However, I along with you guys, I believe, are more confident that he's gonna get going and of course he's gonna be starting the candidate game. So Relying a little bit more on him in this prediction. Um, and then you basically, guys, you guys said it, everyone else except for Manoa, because there's going to be a doubleheader where who knows what's going to be happening with that. We've heard Max Castillo is a possible option. Trent Thornton sounds like it's going to be kind of like a bullpen game. So, you know, and then the Jays, they always have their troubles with the Rays. So that's another part where it's tough for me to commit to anything too spectacular, but. I'll, I'll I'll say three out of five as well. I think that's fair. Well, uh, <laughs> you were looking at me right now, like I'm just about to say the worst thing possible. Um, four or five for the Blue Jays. Four or five for the Blue Jays. You just had a team in the Boston Red Sox that had won seven games in a row entering Toronto and nearly got swept, was one hit away from getting swept by the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are in Toronto. All the things I just mentioned, the intensity of the Red Sox series, they are amped up right now. And yes, they have Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. Yes, they have a bullpen day on Saturday. I think they take four or five. I am optimistic about the trend of this team right now. The Rays are five and five in their last 10 compared to the Red Sox who had won seven coming into that series. I'm optimistic. I think the Blue Jays take four or five. Um, how crazy would it be if they swept this? A five-game sweep. Oh, okay. If they do it, who's putting money on it? I'm not putting money on it. <laughs> okay, sorry. What? If, if they do, if they don't, if they don't sweep a five-game series, nothing. Check this. I don't know how betting works. Moving on. Oh my goodness. Okay. As you can see, I've never logged into any okay. of the betting websites. <laughs> wow. Um, well, this is what you get when we record a podcast at right now, 1252 AM. Um, anyways, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Five game series against the Rays, uncharted territory for us on this podcast with a five game series, but we'll see how it goes. We're waiting for it anxiously. And hopefully by the end of this, we won't be recording at 1 AM again. Um, all right. You can support our podcast, as always, by finding us on social media. That's at Section138Pod. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, You can give us a rating and review. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And we will catch you after a five-game marathon. See you then.